always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. I hope you're up and Adam early with us on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Ashley Frasca here for the next two hours hosting Green and Growing, yeah, your garden show on WSB. Walter Reeves stepped down from hosting the Lawn and Garden Show for 26 years last February when, you know, I inherited a radio show. I'd never hosted my own show before, but I uh, inherited a radio show the month before COVID changed the world forever. So it's been a learning curve. It's definitely been a process, but it's given me a lot of time to really stop and take everything in and reflect and learn a lot from you. I so appreciate all of you that listen in the call and that right on the Facebook page, because I certainly don't know all there is to know, but you all certainly help. And the gardening community is just a very generous very well-educated group. So that's kind of what we strive to do here on the show. So welcome, welcome. If you have any garden concerns or questions or comments, certainly give me a call at 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. I don't even know if we give out the 1-800 number anymore because nothing's long distance. But if you feel more comfortable calling a 1-800 number, it's 1-800-WSB-TALK. That number's been around for a long, long time. So hoping to help you out. And also... Wanted to ask, uh, with it being on the heels of uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, you're around a lot of family and friends and got to spend a lot of time at home. Um, what what you're thankful for, whether it's in the garden, if it's a plant that's been in your family or cuttings that have been passed down, something really neat that you inherited. And it doesn't even have to be a plant. It could be a, a figure or a structure or something in your garden, in your lawn that you're thankful for. That would be really nice to hear. Uh, 404-872-0750. So we moved into our house, I would say probably 11 years ago, and there was a pergola already built, a stone base to it, and, and I'm so thankful for that, and it's taken me 11 years to finally decide what to do with it um, and keep it up, put a fire pit on it and things like that, but I finally did um, jessamine and planted some jessamine at the base, and it did start to, you know, find its way up the posts uh, over the summertime. So I'm hoping that that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And then looking down from the windows in the breakfast area, just cover the top and be full of yellow blooms at least twice a year. All right. We do have a special call to start off the show this morning. Someone we haven't heard from in a long time, but we have certainly missed. She's back from Fayetteville. Nicole, good morning. Ashley. <laughs> Welcome back, my friend. How have you been? Uh, just, just busy, busy. Fine, uh, got a second job, so uh, less time at the house and uh, more time on the road. Well, more time to work because you have to do less in the garden. At this time of year, everything's kind of going dormant and going to sleep, and there's kind of less keeping you busy outside, but I know you miss that terribly. Yeah, a perfect timing, but still have to uh, clean the bed, uh, take all the leaves out, the whole pine straw, and put some new ones, and... Uh, Try to keep it clean. Do that every year so you don't wind up with uh, all kind of uh, uh, things you don't want, little bees around the house. You get, know, get that's the old stuff out. Very yeah. true because somebody was asking me about their hydrangea leaves, and you know, most of the leaves are yellowing, if not, you know, have fallen off by now. 
and just for good management practices, when you see a leaf that you may have black spot on or some concerns about, it's really good to clean those up from underneath the plants that they came off of, not leave them on the top of the soil, just remove them, throw them away, you know. And so do you, what do you do with the fallen leaves though? Do you shred them or do you put them up around plants or anything or you just rake them out of the way? Uh, Raking them out of the way. I have a place, I have a big place, um, uh, you know, where you compost. I, I yeah. put them and I put some uh, pine cone in between, give them some hair so they, they compost faster. And I have a little place that uh, just walk on it, you know, so it keep the uh, weeds uh, low. It does, doesn't it? Leaves are a free source of ground cover and mulch, and it really does keep the weeds at bay. Yes, yes. So are you composting right now? That's actually a good topic, something that, you know, maybe kind of an activity for right now. Yes, I have a, um, I, I told that many times, I have a, this big band, it's plastic band around it, it's a cage, and it's really strong. You know, you put, the, put them on the bricks, and there's a valve on the knee that you can open and get if there's too much water. And then... You can use this water to water your plants because it's all uh, vitamin and everything. But this cage is really big, and uh, I have it for a good 20 years. But, boy, I cleaned it last year. It took me three weeks. Oh, God. Because you have to climb in it, put a step so you don't. Is last <laughs> year when you had the possum in there? Oh, yeah. He was at the base of it. He fell into your compost bin. Yes, yes. <laughs> Him and his mother. And sometimes I go there in the middle of the night, there's something sleeping in it. And sometimes I said, yeah, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back home because you never know, you know. Uh, but possum, you know, they're just so uh, easygoing. They just sleep there because it was warm. Yeah, and probably a little leftover food scraps from something right yeah oh yeah that's well, smart that's so then fun. this time of year what are you doing like do you bring stuff from the kitchen out there still or are you bringing you know green material out there well i'm finally um collect all my seeds okay uh all the seeds like um uh zinnia seed you can't use your own seed because you buy stuff and you don't know how long and sometimes you buy stuff and the seed never come up they are not fresh at least, you know, you you know you won't see that, uh, what you want to say. Then, you know, you clean the rest of it. And um, uh, this morning, there's going to be the pine straw thing, you know, $4 veil. So you try to uh, eh, get everything you can on, you, on your own land, mm -hmm. you know. So... Um, that's what I tried to do early this morning. Oh, this morning is only 28 here. Yeah, you better bundle up. It's like 34 degrees here in Midtown. It's really chilly out there. Yeah, you got to put three, uh, three or four layers, you know. Well, I love that you keep the seeds because I, I kind of advocated folks do that a few weeks ago. You know, the perennials start to fade and brown, and you're really tempted to just cut them back in a hurry. But honestly, if you leave them, you know, certainly they don't look their best, but there are a lot that, that'll go to seed, and the birds can eat those, you know, and they yeah, still they provide people, some purpose. Yeah, I think they've cut it too early. Like this 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 year, I don't have much time. So I let it as long as I could, but I see so many birds. I was just watching from my bedroom, and I said, wow, why, why do I keep, keep, uh, cut that too early? Because those little bitty birds, I don't know what's the name of it, they are so pretty. They uh, they're really small. They're not like uh, chickadees the are really small. Chickadees have the little black cap and they're gray. 
Okay, that's what that's what uh-huh. it is. They're really small, but boy, they can you know like ten, fifteen at a time. Oh and yeah. That's their joy. This is fresh seed. It's not the seed that you buy from the store. You know, let me get your thoughts on that because I just, you know, we had people over on Thanksgiving and I filled the bird feeder because it's just really nice to watch the feeder outside the kitchen and, and watch all the birds come and go. And you're right about the chickadee. There's always a ton. But somebody asked me, you know, birds have stopped coming to my feeder. What do you think that is? So my first thought was maybe it did need to be cleaned, you know, just completely empty it out, wash it out, because some of the food will get stuck together at the bottom. It'll mold. And I think, you know, birds obviously realize that and don't want that. But I also thought that maybe some new predator had started coming to the area of her yard and maybe the birds were kind of alarmed. What do you think? Why do you think they would stop going to a feeder that they visit regularly? Because... You guys need to clean them. This is black mold, and it's going to kill us, and it's going to kill the bird, too. You have to put some chlorine and let it sit in the water for two, three days so, because they can smell it, too, you yeah. know. And the seed from the store, you don't know. You buy a 40-pound bag. You don't know how long it's been there, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the main thing. But then again, you got some, uh, like uh, the cardinal, they really, uh, they like to have their own, you know. Yeah. The male is going to protect the female because I see the male standing up, the female is feeding. Because you can have those black crow, you can have uh, those big old birds too. <laughs> I don't know the name of it, but boy, they can eat a, they can eat a uh, uh, chicken. Yeah. Oh, none of it goes to waste. I mean, what what falls out of the feeder goes on the ground, and, and the ground feeders, you know, the, those birds certainly pick it up. Well, I haven't taken the hummingbird feeder down yet, but it's plastic, so I'm not worried about the water in there freezing. But it just looks stupid. It's serving no point right now. I've haven't had a hummingbird in probably a month and a half, but also suet. Have you ever made your own suet? That's great for yes. birds right now. Peanut butter and uh, corn and um, some sunflower seed. I mean, it's, yeah. it's got all the, the fatty protein in it that they really need to store up this time of year. So even if you just buy it from the store, obviously that's fine. And, yeah. and get a suet feeder that's designed to hold suet, but you, you can make your own and birds will love that. They'll be so thankful for that. Oh, yeah, because they need that protein for winter. Yeah. Well, you get to getting out in the yard, Nicole. Stay safe. I'm so glad you checked in and called this morning. We've missed you. Well, thank you so much for that. And sometimes I want to call, you know, but the timing is wrong or... You know, something is happening. The timing uh, is never wrong. If you hear my voice on the radio, you call. Even if I'm doing a traffic report, (laughs) you can call. Well, you know, my main thing is... uh, People want to call. You need to have a good quality phone. No noise, background noise. Those new phones, they can pick up every single noise. I like to be home, get a good quality calls, you know, and uh, it gets on you big time nerves, you when, know. Sometimes. When you have a free Saturday morning, you're going to come here and be my producer. I love that. That's oh, good boy. advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Nicole. Happy holidays. So good to hear from you, friend. Enjoy your day. You too. Have a great Saturday. All right. We'll have Alan calling from DeKalb County coming up with a question about raspberries and Peter and Noonan. Good house plants that are low maintenance. I've got a good list for Peter. And the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. Stay tuned. It's green and growing on WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley.
getting through the weekend and into your work week. Yeah, going back to work on Monday. Mostly sunny for the beginning part of the week, at least. Sunny skies today. It's going to be cool. A high of only around 58 in metro Atlanta. Lows dipping back down to about 37, 38 overnight. And mostly sunny skies tomorrow. Currently 34 degrees here in midtown Atlanta. And the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, this is one that I'm going to be doing. Number one, it's a good time to prune Confederate Rose, Rose of Sharon, Euonymus, and Ligustrum, a couple of your bigger things outside. Remember that where you cut, that's going to be a new branch eventually. But Confederate Rose has those big leaves, and they had all of the big... Um, why do I want to say yellow, pink and white uh, blooms on them this fall. And now those are starting to fade. The big leaves are turning yellow. So cutting those back and rows of Sharon, mine dropped leaves a long time ago and it's just bare. So it's ugly. Cut it all the way back. Number two, plant trees and shrubs. Now we're going to be talking in just a little while with Norm Mitleider about uh, Japanese maples and some that you could maybe pick out. Camellia is a good one as well. Yuletide is going to be beautiful. That nice red flower with the yellow center. Number three, stop feeding houseplants and also lighten up on the water. Most need a lot less moisture right now. And if they're dropping leaves, that's kind of typical too, because they can tell there's just a difference in the temperature and the dryness in the air in your home now that we're running the heat. So speaking of houseplants, going up to line six, talking to Peter calling from noon. And hey, good morning, Peter. Good morning. How are you doing? I love your question. What's going on? Well, I've got a new house, and I want to put some plants in the house, and I, I don't really have that much experience, and so looking to figure out what type of house plants I can put in, and I don't have a lot of lighting in my house either, so that's another issue too, so I, I need something that's low maintenance and doesn't take a lot of light, and uh, yeah, it's just fun to see if you have like a, some ideas. Very good. Okay, so I love that, because that still leaves you a lot of options. Now, I will do the little caveat here. There are a lot of house plants that we don't think about that are toxic to some of our furry friends, our cats and dogs. So kind of be aware of that if you have uh, pets. One of my favorite, though, is Dracaena. Um, Dracaena tolerates really low light, and it's very leafy. There's a couple of different varieties, a long green leaf, but there can be variegated. They can have different uh, growth habits. A lot of them will have jade or jewel in the name. But Dracaena is a really good one, just kind of a bushy little house plant, good for a corner or an open room or something like that. ZZ plant is another one. ZZ uh, plant, I don't know how to say the name, but the, the full name literally has two Zs in it, and it's really long. But that's got kind of um, little succulent-looking leaves almost, but just nice little delicate rounded green leaves, and it grows a lot of little stems, and it's kind of more compact. So that's going to be good for you too. Um, Dracaena. Also, uh, pothos, devil's ivy, and that's good for like a hanging basket if you're looking for something maybe to hang from the ceiling or, you know, if there's a, I don't know, a buffet or something like that where you can hang a, a basket out to the side. Um, pothos is almost impossible to kill. It's going to grow well in a hanging basket or a pot and, of course, trail over any furniture that you've got it on top of. That needs a little more light. I wouldn't say that's fully low light, but um, that's going to be good for you, too. And if you have a little more money to spend, Peter, a philodendron. Um, a philodendron's got really ribby looking like finger like leaves almost so the leaves aren't just a smooth shape on the outside they kind of have fingers to them and they're bigger leaves and they're really really good conversation pieces philodendrons are beautiful again tough to kill 
low light. So I hope I gave you a few good ideas. You know what I may do? I may go ahead and share that on the Facebook page for folks that want to hop over later today when the show's over. Uh, search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB. And I love that Peter's asking about low light house plants, but I may share some of my favorite that are medium to highlight as well. If you want maybe a little bit more of a tropical feel and want to bring the beach to your home in the wintertime, because we know we hate the cold weather, but uh, some other good ideas. Peter, thank you so much for calling and please follow up with me and check back and let me know how you're doing with those house plants. 404-872-0750. We're going to talk to Norm Mitleider about Japanese maples and Alan at DeKalb County calling about raspberries and blackberries coming up. You're listening to Ashley Frasca. This is 95.5 WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, good Saturday morning. We're back to Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Yes, off the air again early this Saturday to make room for the Georgia Bulldogs pregame tailgate show at 8 a.m. today over in Atlanta, right down the street, as a matter of fact, facing off against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I am pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, certified pruning expert Norm Mitleider, who has helped us in uh, months past and over the last year and a half on the show. Good morning, Norm. Good morning, Ashley. So I thought to call you because fall is a great time to be installing trees and shrubs and, you know, plants that we want to really get established in the ground and not uh, stress out with the summer heat. And I thought of you with the beautiful leaf color we had this season. Boy, in the beginning of fall, we didn't really think it was going to be that showy, but it peaked about two weeks ago. And with your knowledge and expertise and passion for Japanese maples, I kind of wanted to pr- pick your brain, Norm. What are just a couple of varieties that may be your favorites that folks could go to the nursery now and next fall be enjoying either the bright, vivid reds or the really subtle fall yellows? If you're wanting a nice yellow tree, the sangu kaku, which is also known as the coral bark oh, Japanese maple, right. those have been beautiful this year, nice yellow, kind of like a a ginkgo tree. Mm -hmm. Then you also have one that's similar to that called Japanese sunrise that's got a little more orange with the yellow. One of the red ones would be your typical blood good. Those have been, some of those have really been nice this year. Um, There's one also called moonfire. Um, it was really, I was just at a client yesterday and his was really beautiful red. The names are fantastic too. That's enough to make it attractive. Of, of those that you named, Norm, if we have a smaller front yard and say we only have room for maybe one or two focal points and maybe just kind of more of an ornamental tree, which of those is going to be a little bit smaller to where we can still have a lawn in the, in the yard that's not going to be completely shaded out? I would probably look at the moonfire because the coral bark and the uh, bloodgood tend to be 30-foot tall trees. Mm -hmm. So I would probably go with moonfire. 
Oh, I love that. Some ideas, folks, if you're thinking outside the box and planning ahead, you really want to enjoy that uh, bright pop of fall color. Norm, those are great suggestions. And I wanted to catch up with you, too. It doesn't necessarily have to pertain to right now, this Saturday after Thanksgiving, but uh, some insect problems you and I spoke about, maybe infestations of things that uh, you noticed, you know, working in some clients' yards. What were some of the symptoms of some of the trees you were looking at? Uh, It was really obvious. The leaves, there were like little clumps of dead areas in the, the branches, not at the very tips, but, you know, kind of in amongst the branches. And the leaves were just kind of brownish mm-hmm. and kind of baffled me. And I went to a friend and he told me that it was uh, the black twig borer, I believe. Right. And naturally, once they've done their damage, those stems or branches completely die. So that's the unfortunate thing. The one insect that you don't want is the ambrosia because that one can kill the whole tree. So I I can do fine with one or two little branches dying out, but not the whole tree. Now, what trees did you see were most impacted by this black twig borer? They're definitely significantly on the magnolias here in Atlanta, uh, but I have seen them on a number of Japanese maples, and I also experienced it on one of my dogwoods in my yard. And I certainly got one or two calls about it within the last month or two. So here's the deal, guys, with this black twig borer. It enters as a little black beetle, enters the stem maybe six to eight feet or six to eight inches, rather, back from the tip of a branch. And you can't see it because he's burrowing a chamber inside the limb, inside the branch. So when you see that the branch tip has failed, you know, if you were to cut that out or something like that and open up the wood, you see the skinny little chamber where he's bored. And you're absolutely right, Norm. I mean, the the branch isn't going to make it, but at least you'd rather sacrifice some limbs. You mentioned the ambrosia beetle. That, uh, right off the top of my head, you know, I can I can remember folks calling about their crepe myrtles. You see that little sawdust being pushed out mm. of a trunk. It's almost like a toothpick sticking out yes. inside of the trunk. Yep, yep. Um, whereas with this particular beetle, you have to really look closely, but and you will see a little pinhole, and that's and that is small. So if you don't have good eyes. Um, you won't be able to see it, but it is there is a little pinhole. It's amazing what a little critter can do. No kidding. <laughs> He's just looking for a nice warm place to take some shelter. So if you've got good eyes, you see that, and there's just you know tips of, of branches of your magnolia just dead. That's kind of what you might think. Uh, it's it's indicative of black twig borer damage. And Norm, with you having the background and the and the knowledge of you know being a certified aesthetic pruner, but also just you know pruning things. For, for health reasons, for size reduction and all of that kind of thing. I guess we're kind of entering into the no man's land territory of we don't want to prune right now because we don't want it to induce new growth that's probably going to get snapped by the cold coming up. Uh, maybe do some ma- major structural pruning, wait till the end of January. But are we okay right now to at least trim out selected branches that we can tell have been affected or should we just wait? Any damaged branch should be removed once you notice it. Um, you shouldn't leave it on the, the tree. That way the tree can start its healing process. Um, so the longer that a damaged, disease branch is left, 
that just potentially could lead to more serious problems later. And tell us what's important about cutting out an entire limb. How far back do we need to go? What kind of pruners are we using so that we don't leave a sloppy cut? Not a chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) No. I would always try and remember that when you're making pruning cuts, you're always cutting to a point of growth. So if you're doing a minor cut, you're taking that stem back to a branch. If you're taking a branch off, you want to go to the trunk. So it's just remembering that you're always making your cuts at the different growth points um, so that the tree can, you know, heal properly and carry on with its life. Um, Also, it's important to never leave a stub um, because that will encourage, you know, disease issues because the tree can't heal over that. So it's always good to make good, clean cuts. And, you know, a good Felco pruner would be a good tool of choice. And now this is a question I often get from maybe, I don't want to say inexperienced gardeners, but yes, folks that are unsure and really haven't done that kind of work before. Is there any kind of product they need to use, whether it's a tar or some kind of sealant or whatever to help heal over a cut? Yes or no? No. If you make a proper cut, the tree or shrub will heal properly without any extra help. And unfortunately, Many of the products that are out there should not be used because they do more damage than good. I think that's a good message. So save yourself the money, save yourself the headache. If you make the right cut the first time, that should be sufficient for the tree. Well, Norm Mitleider, thank you so much for joining me today. It was good to have you back on the show, and we'll certainly have you bring us up to speed with what you're getting into come spring. Look forward to it, Ashley. Always full of good information. Thank you, Norm. We'll definitely be talking to you again. And you heard that. I mean, let's keep this easy. When you're making a pruning cut, you don't need to spend the extra time and money to buy some of these products that say they're going to speed up the process or help the tree heal. I mean, Mother Nature has a great way of taking care of those things all on her own. 404-872-0750, your plant questions and concerns and comments, but also asking many of you what you're grateful for in the garden, whether it is a plant that was inherited or passed down or maybe a structure or a statue or something, just something that you're thankful for that gives you peace, that makes you happy in the landscape. All right, next to the phones, we talk to Alan calling from South DeKalb County. Hey there, Alan. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. So what's going on? How can I help? Last spring, I put in two raspberry and two blackberry trellis them up real good where they're at they're very happy they get lots of sun and and every once in a while i i water them not very often and they're really grew the the question is the vines uh look like they're needing to be uh cut back is that what i do with them i've never uh grown these these vining bushes before yeah. Uh, full disclosure, uh, me, me neither. So I, I commend you for that. And did you build the trellis system yourself? I did. Nice. And they're, they're uh, well, they're, they're store-bought trellises. Okay. But I, I put them in. Uh, they're about three feet apart. The vines went across, and they're uh, basically 
trellising each other, okay? Uh-huh. So they go from trellis to trellis, and then the vine holds up the, the new vines coming in, so they're uh, really good shape on that. That's great, because so, that's one of the key things about these, you know, brambles and vines like that. I mean, the fact that they're spread out properly, they have enough space, because airflow and air circulation is so important in keeping the pests and diseases and things away, and they'll get the sunlight they need. Um, little pruning's necessary the first year, so right now you're fine. You just need to make sure they're mulched and, you know, properly taken care of there at the base so they can make it through the winter. The second year is when you want to pay a little more attention, Alan, to starting to really train them and cutting. But keep it simple first. In that second year, wait until they've bore fruit, um, and then you really start looking at the canes that look like they are dead, that that look like they're old canes. It's quite obvious they're not going to produce anything else. And like we just heard Norm say, you know, you can actually remove those at any time, um, even up to like late February. It's just a great time to do removal from that. But then the process becomes a little more complicated because they're going to keep growing and growing and growing, and you've got to be a little more selective in the pruning. Um, and fertilizing, too. I'm sure you got the right varieties. There's a great list from the University of Georgia Extension Office of the nice varieties to that grow best here. Um, but fertilizing, that's going to be pretty easy. Maybe two fertilizations a year. So we think about when they're in active growth, when they're going to be hungry. So April's a good time for that. And then kind of a boost in the summertime as well, say July or August. And Alan, I'm probably going to have you talk to Anne again because I'd like to get your email address. I'm going to send you the publication from the University of Georgia, really making sure we trellis those right, we train them right, and it's got all the pruning advice that actually diagrams it for you. It's a lot easier to look at that rather than me trying to walk through a diagram with you on the radio. Good luck. I'm proud of you. I think that's going to be highly successful. So keep me posted. 404-872-0750. It's Green and Growing. We'll be back on WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. 404-872-0750, taking your calls, and we'll get right with Jack in Cartersville in just a moment. But first, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. It's always good news on the weekends here lately. It is going to be sunny today and tomorrow. Highs both days of your weekend in the upper 50s and lows dipping down to about where we stand right now, 34, 35 degrees. No chance of precipitation as we get into our week. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Okay, and once I take Jack's call, I'm going to give you a number four. But starting with three, number one, stop feeding houseplants. And you can slack up on watering them a little bit. They just don't require as much right now. Um, And if they're dropping leaves, don't panic. That is perfectly normal. If you're just bringing them from the outside, they're going to be getting acclimated into the indoors if they've already been inside it's dry heat, you know, that you're running in the house. So that's going to dry them out. Um, keep them watered, but not as not as often. But leaf drop is perfectly normal. Uh, number two, still a great time to plant trees and shrubs. Camellia is a good one to think about right now because the Yuletide bloom is absolutely beautiful. And the one that's going to be blooming coming up, say, starting in late January or February, that's going to be the Japonica variety. So if you, you know, have missed the Sasanqua ones already, go ahead and plant Japonica and you may 
be able to get that in the ground in time for some flowers this year. And number three, it's a good time to prune Confederate Rose, Rose of Sharon, Euonymus that's out of control, and Ligustrum. Remember never to cut back more than one-third at a time. That's just a general kind of good rule of thumb if you're trying to reduce the size of something that large. Okay, as promised, going to Bartow County. Good morning, Jack. Welcome to Green and Growing. Good morning, Ashley. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I'm glad you called. <laughs> yes, my question is, if you're not in a place where you can burn the, um, and once you've taken the infected branches off, if you can't take, if you can't burn it, what is the way that you can make sure that uh, those critters that have infected the branches don't survive to create more? Yeah. Uh, we don't want to just throw them in a brush pile because they're just going to continue to make more. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And burning would be my number one recommendation. But if you're not able to do that, and even thinking about rose rosette, you know, that thing that affects the knockout roses and makes the branches all gnarly and things like that, that's brought on by mites. So same kind of thing when you see something that's just been heavily impacted with insect damage like that. Bagging it up is going to be just as good. And I know it's going to be extra trash for you to bring to the curb, you know, for the trash company next week. But bagging them up in a black bag, sealing that bag, just not bringing them to another location, not throwing them into the woods. You're right. Not putting them in the burn pile or compost pile, especially um, because a lot of those bugs can overwinter. So pruning out the affected areas, like we talked with Norm about this black twig borer, you're probably going to need to make the cut a good three to four inches below where you see those pinholes in the limbs, in the branches to make sure you've gotten it out. And they've dissected these limbs. And it's really fascinating to see that little borer get in the middle of a limb and just live really safely right there. Um, But pruning those out, disposing of those branches properly. Chemical control is not really going to be effective. Once the beetles have bored in there, and ambrosia beetles, same. Once they've bored into the tree, there's not going to be a lot that's going to affect them. But if you do a protective application of an insecticidal spray, that could be done maybe like late winter, and that's going to be kind of preventative, you know, from, from getting any more in there. Um, and once you do that, it's going to be applied to the infested trees and areas where it was pruned because we think about it, once something's been attacked on a tree or a shrub, it's a lot more vulnerable to another attack from another insect, right? So maybe doing a preventative treatment. But, yeah, once you've got these guys that bore, there's there's no way other than just removing the limb. So great question, Jack. A black bag, throw it out in the trash is going to be your next best option. Burning is number one. But, yeah, obey all of the restrictions and things with the local county burning ordinances and things like that. 404-872-0750. I want to tell you about some charitable organizations that affect our gardeners' hearts and minds and our communities and a way you can help. Coming up, stay tuned. It's Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.